Hello, and welcome to Playability, where we hold conversations at the crossroads of gameplay and accessibility. I'm your host, Rebecca Strang, and today I'm joined by Ross Connell, the man behind More Games Please, a website where you can find Ross's interviews with board game artists, the annual Best Board Game Art Award competition, as well as his beautiful board game-related product and lifestyle photography. Welcome to the show, Ross. Thank you very much. Super glad to have you here. I was a photographer in a past life, and I also have a love of art, so I'm really excited to be talking with you about art and accessibility today. So to jump right in, what does accessibility in gaming mean to you? I mean, I suppose that's that's a multifaceted question, really, but I guess mm-hmm. to me it means that, you know, to, to say it in layman's terms, that anyone can, you know, approach and engage with something on the same level. So uh, you would hope that level would be with ease, I guess, rather than great difficulty. But to me, accessibility sure. means that whoever whoever it is that's approaching it is on a level playing field. Definitely. And so I really love the description that you have on your website's about page, where you say that you've created your website as a cultural library of board game art based around interviews with the talented individuals that make these games happen. As a librarian and a photographer and art lover, that all makes my heart really happy. Um, (laughs) So what inspired you to start interviewing board game artists? I think the initial uh, the initial thought came to me. So my partner, she's a uh, a full time freelance illustrator, and uh, I remember years ago we were talking about what she could do more to open herself up to the community, and I uh, was encouraging her to write a a blog. I've always been a fan. So to give you a little background, let's jump back two steps. Sure. When I was at university, I studied film. Audio, visual, and production engineering is the fancy title of the degree if you want to make it sound better than it was. <laughs> However, my interest was always in documentary filmmaking. And so I've always had an interest in, you know, a kind of curiosity about how things get made. So my partner being a freelance illustrator, I was like, well, what would I want to know more about? I'd want to know about more about how you how you make your work. Which is difficult for an artist in a lot of ways because artists aren't often used to communicating in that way about how they make they a lot of the time they just make mm-hmm. so she was like not in, i'm not interested shut up and go away but the <laughs> i did like to cut a long story short it went on for a bit longer than that but every response was oh yeah i'll do that but wasn't bothered oh yeah i'll do that but wasn't bothered and eventually she was like yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do it go away and I, the idea stayed with me and i was um getting more and more invested in the board game hobby and i found it Really, because I, I I started trying to look up artists and illustrators online. The first reason why it occurred to me is because I started on Instagram mainly just to not annoy my friends with a lot of board game photographs on my normal Instagram <laughs> page, which which has declined because of this obsession. But one thing I noticed is that it was one, it was difficult often to find illustrators on Instagram, or I had a larger following than them, which I thought was absolute madness that there were these such incredibly talented people and I would have um, a bigger following on Instagram taking a photograph of the work they'd done to share with other people. And I, I thought, what a strange what a strange world do we live in? Whereas I'm taking a picture on my phone 
of a talented illustration and people are rewarding me over the person who's the illustrator just because of the way we share. And from that, I also thought, well, I want to give more of a platform to these people. It seems to be um, to to paint broad strokes easier for me to do that than it is for them. They're, you know, they're, you only have so many spoons. I don't know if that's a phrase anyone sure. else would use. You've only got so many spoons you can use in life and their spoons are dedicated to art, not content creation and, and you know, putting things out there. And I thought I could bridge bridge that gap. That was a much long that was a much longer answer than I was expecting. And pretty meandering <laughs> as well. No worries. Interesting. Um yeah, it's it is interesting when a lot of people talk about board games, they'll often mention, you know, the designer or the publisher, but the artist isn't someone who is often included in yeah. a default answer when you're talking about a game. What's really interesting is I, you know, I watch a lot of big websites who either write about games or they do videos or podcasts about games. And often they'll mention the artwork in this game was incredible. You know, the, the artwork, you know, made this, took this game up, up a notch. And during the interview, or sorry, during the, the piece, they'll mention who the designer was, who the publisher was, but they'll never say who they are. Well, not never, rarely. It's becoming more, it's becoming more popular to mention it, but for a long time, they were mm-hmm. mentioning exactly these things, how, how great the illustration was, but they were never saying who the artist was. And it's so easy to add that. I always thought that was a real shame. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are definitely some designers out there or even some publishers for people who, as soon as they hear that name, it's you know an instant interest for them. But a lot of times, the first thing that people encounter with a game is that art on the box that's going to draw them in. So mm-hmm. including the artists is definitely important. So what role does art play in accessibility and inclusion in our gaming world? I mean, so you could look at this from a few different angles, really. So one, you can look at the history of the hobby and you can say, you know, the hobby has been around for quite a while, but predominantly it's been it's kind of had a, a certain themes that have been popular and certain um, characterizations that have existed within it. And for me, our art gives the opportunity to kind of expand the worlds that are presented to the player. So, you know, it may be that predominantly, historically speaking, it's been quite Eurocentric in, in how the worlds have been presented. However, what I like about what art can do is art can use imagination to reinterpret either history or the present and provide a, a more broad outlook, a more inclusive outlook in terms of representation of the characters. You know, whoever builds these worlds, they're really, uh, it's down to them who they want to populate them with. And, and not just that, they can do it in a way that is uh, accessible visually. Uh, and as graphic design and artwork become, uh, you know, more technically proficient in these areas, it also means that people who have uh, you know visual impairments and things like that are also able to to be able to see and engage with things more there are there's so many choices out there when you're considering art um, especially if you're not working on a game that is focused on a specific place or culture and those choices that you make can really make a difference on how people feel drawn in or welcomed into 
plane within that world that you've created. So if someone was looking to get into the industry as an artist to make board game art, and they were asking for advice on artists to follow as examples of um, people who are doing good with art, making great art for games, who are some artists that you would recommend? I mean, it's really difficult because art's so subjective, and I'm sure you'll appreciate that yourself. Uh, and I know you said, who would, I, who would I recommend? But I mean, part of my website is it's a personal curation. So mm-hmm. I, the art that I put onto my site, it's art that I appreciate and I like and I see as possibly above other examples or, you know, the artists weren't available to speak to. So that you, you get what you get. Sure. But I mean, examples of illustrators that I think are fantastic is, um, so one example, and I absolutely adore the work that, that this person does, is Kyle Ferrin. Mm-hmm. So you may know Kyle from games like the recently kickstarted Oath or Vast or Root. And there's kind of a, a, a whimsical quality, a childlike, you know, energy to, to the illustrations and art that he does that really just appeal to me in a way that high fantasy often doesn't. So some fantasy illustrations or classic fantasy illustrations as technically proficient as they may be, they just don't quite do it for me in terms of the way they present the world. So if something's done in more of a scratchy, scrawly, like you can imagine uh, an incredibly talented child drawing it, but let's say the, <laughs> the Mozart of illustration was doing it, you know, if they were, it, there's, an, there's a childlike element to it, which, which, which makes it feel more open to me than quite, if some fantasy can be quite, in my opinion, and it is only my opinion, po-faced and quite closed sometimes if you're not into the law. So that would be one example of an illustrator that I that I admire. Another example, uh, and the reason why I don't necessarily like questions like this is because I want to ma- name too many people, is another illustrator that I do like, that I, I interviewed on my website, uh, is Sinyi Chu. And the reason I like her art styles is quite, it's like a watercolor-based illustration and there's, I, I love the, the, the colors, basically. A lot of what draws me to artwork, personally, is often the, co- the colors that are within it. It's, I mean, that's maybe a really... I don't have a background in art. So it's, when I talk about artwork, it it's just really comes from a place of how it makes me feel. And it's not driven by, you know, I don't compare it to the technical proficiency of different artists. It's, I basically look at something and go, yeah, that. So Sinyi's work... It just has this kind of quality it's to, to do with the kind of earthy shades that she uses in some of her work and the, you know, the fact that she uses kind of like pastel colors that it really pleases me. And I think the work that she's done, which is quite limited within the board game world, but she did, did, did illustration work on a game called Dragon Castle. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite unusual compared to what other people are doing. And I think it shows in some ways that there's a scope to present things in an aesthetically different way than you know historically what you'd normally see in board games. Then you've got someone like Quan Chai Maria, who has done an awful lot of games. <laughs> and you know, and when I interviewed Quan Chai, it took a long time for us to get the opportunity to have a conversation just because he's in such demand. But what I really like is how punchy and colourful you know and the kind of strong presence of style within what he does in terms of his illustration it's very unique and it's very him 
And you can see that quality in the work. Another example would be Vincent Dutre, who just from a technical perspective is an incredible artist. He, he paints all of the pieces and the, the level of detail and work is, is absolutely amazing. That would be another example of a person that I would say that you should definitely, definitely check out. And then I'll give you one more for the road. So let me yeah. have, a, have a little think. Uh, Victoria Ying is another great illustrator and she comes from uh, a background of having previously worked at Disney. So she has that kind of classic Disney look to what she, what she can do. And also the incredible talent that's required of someone who would work at Disney. You know, you have a high volume of work to do at a very high technical standard. And so the level of quality of lighting and realism, but also imagination that, that come from her work, I, I think is, is fantastic. Yeah, definitely all great artists. And I agree. Um, I remember the first time I saw Vast and that art style, um, Kyle's art style and all of those colors just hit you right away and draw you right in. I love that. So through your interviews, what are a few favorite tidbits or insights that you've learned from the artists that you've interviewed? I think it's it's kind of difficult in some ways. One of the things is the idea that people are naturally gifted. You know, the idea that if you're talented, it was it was you know it was the stars of the lined, and you were just going to be gifted from day one. You you were born, and you know, and sometimes that is true. Sometimes people do have an advantage, let's say, in terms of where that. But the vast majority of people that you find that are working illustrators within the board game industry, I would, I would describe them as people with talent, yes, but also an, in, an incredibly strong drive. And what, a running theme through the vast majority of the interviews that I've done is that they, they, can't, they can't stop, basically. <laughs> they can't stop. This is what they love. This is how they find their place in the world. And this is what drives them. You know, to become, you know, to become truly gifted in any in any field, it requires a certain level of obsession, I think, and you know, healthy, let's say. But you know, with with these illustrators, that is an insight that I've really enjoyed. That with you know, a lot of people talk about their memories of when they first picked up a pen and paper when they first started doodling. They'd have. You know, I can't. It's really difficult for me to pull exact examples out of my brain. But there was an uh, there was an artist that talks about having a stack of paper. The parents just left a stack of paper and some crayons next to them in front of the TV, and they just spend all day just doodling in front of the TV. And I love that. I love that idea. As a small child, that's what they wanted to do. That's what they're doing now. I love. I love the kind of uh, the wonderful circle of having a desire and a dream from a young age in it and actualizing it as an adult. It's so rare. And I think, you know, artists are an example of people who have got there because that's been consistent throughout their life and they've worked towards it. Another thing as an insight that I say enjoy is probably the wrong term, but that I found really interesting is often how isolating it can be. To be mm-hmm. an illustrator, when you work from home, you don't necessarily have a, a shared office space, a shared studio space, and how easy it is to forget 
the pressures that get put on people when they work in isolation and how challenging that can be. And one thing I'm often curious about is how people stay connected to the world when they work from home. I work from home. So I understand that I haven't been doing this very long, but I already get there's a level of disconnect in the last couple of months I've had from when I worked within an office with you know a large group of people and how you stay creatively topped up within you know isolation and how you also handle the creative pressures that you put under when you aren't necessarily working in a team, you're working separate from a team. Yeah, that's interesting that... Um... The isolation aspect, my husband works from home, so he's he works from home a lot. So there's definitely that isolation aspect. And then maybe when you combine that with the fact that at least historically, um, then these artists haven't been included as often when we talk about board games, that must compound that feeling. You're doing this great work for these pieces of art and it's almost like no one sees you and you you know you're yeah. working alone like that too yeah it's really interesting that the point you make that if everyone's talking about this big new release no one no one mentions you at any point it's the most popular game out this year it's got the best artwork who drew it who cares let's what let's just play it <laughs> you know so that a large driving force behind my website really was there, there was a moment that it hit home to a certain extent and it's how often um, board games are viewed from within and outside the industry. So the first that so I've been running my website about six months, and I decided to, I just wanted to vote on the best board game illustration, the best board game art of that year. That was back in 2018, uh, 2017, mm-hmm. sorry, whatever year it was, a few years ago. Anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to vote on the best art of the year, and. As much as I could find votes for, you know, best two-player game, best abstract game, best designer, best publisher, all these different things, there weren't any votes for Illustrator. I couldn't find I couldn't find a single one, which I found so unusual. And I don't. Mm. I've been running my website for six months at the time, but to me, that was just like that. Just that just confirmed why I was doing it in the first place, you know. And I remember the second year that I did my uh, vote for best artwork of the year. And t- to be honest, the vote this year, because I, I did the nominations just before Christmas, I still need to <laughs> I still need to post the vote on my website. It's, it's coming, but I've just been so busy, I haven't had the opportunity yet. But when I came to do the, the vote last year, for example, more people voted and nominated for illustration on my website than they did in that category on BoardGameGeek, which I thought, was in- incredible because it showed that if you give it a platform, people care. If mm-hmm. you push it all the way down the list, maybe it doesn't get the visibility it desires. But it's good to see that it's it's becoming a thing that people are talking about more. And I think that's a testament to how much board game illustrations improved over the last few years that it's unavoidable that people are talking about it now. Maybe it was just a matter of timing on my part that I came along when that was happening. But I think that when you look at the quality across the board of how board games look now from a visual aesthetic appeal, it's really come on leaps and bounds. Yeah, definitely. People definitely care a lot more about how the games that we play look than they did, you know, several years ago. And I love that your website has kind of taken off like it has, you know, that you're 
able to continue doing all these interviews. People are interested in hearing from these artists and how they do what they do and why. It it makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a large part of what drives my website is my own personal it's for me. Like the the I I'm a strong believer if you do anything and if you want to be able to continue to do something, you should do it primarily for yourself. You shouldn't do mm-hmm. it to please an invisible audience. So my two primary like drives for the website were no one's talking about artists and I don't think that's right. I mean, it's difficult to say that it's wrong that people aren't talking about artists, but I believe they should have more respect within the industry and they should be revered almost because, <laughs> you know, without their illustration, we're just talking about squares and numbers, really, you yeah. know, and it, you, it, for me, at least, as much as I love a puzzle and I really do love puzzles, it's hard to buy in as easily without this incredible, you know, visual aesthetic. So firstly, it was, you know, I think it should be up there on a similar pedestal to designers, because I think in terms of world building, both of those, you know, two people have a huge part to play. Designers create the functionality and the things that make us engage with the games. However, if you want to believe in the games and if you want to believe in the worlds that are created, then words and illustrations have huge meaning. And board games tend to lean heavily on illustration over over words and then the second thing is i want to know about it <laughs> that and you need that if you're going to continue to do any project you, you need to be fascinated yourself there's no cynicism on my part i'm not like i'm gonna get a lot of hits if i interview someone who's illustrated one game and is from outside the industry i don't think anyone will know who they are before i post it on their website but i want to know more about them because i believe they're talented Well, I thank you for your curiosity and your drive to do it, because I think the community as a whole benefits from it. (laughs) That's very kind of you to say. (laughs) So for folks who would like to contact you for more information or just see what you're up to, where can they find you online? Sure. There's uh, lots of places. I am am everywhere (laughs) on the internet arguably too much by work from home. So, you know, I'm always at a computer. So the <laughs> easiest way to contact me, if it's anything to do with illustration and art or product photography, I suppose I should get a plug in for that while we're here. Definitely. would be um, hello at moregamesplease.com. That's my website's email address and the email address for my business. If you want to just hear the ramblings of someone who is on Twitter too much, then you can follow me on Twitter as well, uh, which is more games PLS plus instead of please, because <laughs> some person who tweeted once in 1805 has that handle. So of course, <laughs> so impolite that they got there first. Anyway, so that's a way of following me. I also do post the games that I play and photographs of the games that I'm playing more than professional work on my Instagram, which is again, instagram.com more games, please. So please or plus is generally how you'll find me on the internet. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was great to talk with you about art and board games. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if our listeners have any questions or comments that you'd like to share with us, please email us at playabilitypod at gmail.com. You can also find us on major social media platforms at playabilitypod. Thanks again for listening. I hope this episode helps you play with a new perspective. Perspective.